Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. To get you the sports and it win any can. It's Mike Francis on. All right, a little past six on this uh, Wednesday night, the 29th day of April. Not a great day today. A little chilly, a little rainy. I went out and played golf today. It was dreary, but you know what? You want to get out and play, so, you know, and you got to walk now. There's no carts, so you got to go out and walk. So we went out and walked today and played, but uh, hey, better than not playing, so it's better than not sitting in the house. So it was dreary, cold, but hey, you can't have every day beautiful like it was yesterday. Uh, But we have reached the end of the month. On this 29th day, we'll take you till 6.30. Uh, John Susan will give you, I think, I think this is game four tonight of the World Series, I believe, right? In game four tonight, the uh, that's the Yan- game the Yankees won, uh, 7-4, if I remember right, game four um, of the uh, Phillies. You know, it was funny, I was, uh, that series, the house I live in now, um, we were moving into the house. Well, we hadn't really moved in yet. As a matter of fact, we had sold our house, and we were rebuilding a house for like a year and a half. And we finally had to move out, and our house wasn't ready. So we rented a place a couple of towns down, and this was 2009, that fall. And I had little kids then. I had Harrison was still in a crib, and... Jack and M were like three, you know, it was 2009. So, yeah, they were three. They weren't even four years old yet. And we had, so, two three-year-olds and a one-year-old. And we were living in, like, we had two bedrooms. We were jammed into places because we couldn't find anything nearby. Um, We had a crib in our room. The, The twins were in the other room. And all we had was boxes and cartons and everything. And my wife says to me, listen, why don't you just stay in the city during the World Series? Don't even come home. Just stay in the series. Just stay in the city during the World Series. So I stayed in the city during the World Series. And that was the Philly Series. So we wound up moving into the house right around about a week before Christmas. We moved into the house that year. So I remember that well. We were, And I still remember living in that crazy apartment while that series went on. And obviously what I remember about that series was, without any question, the, you know, just the, in, just the vindication of, of A-Rod in that whole playoff because, you know, here's a guy who had never, had never hit, you know, had, had never hit in the postseason, had never gotten the big hit for the Yankees despite having brilliant seasons and MVP seasons and crazy good stats. I mean, some of the years were mind-boggling, okay? Let's be honest. But that year, 
starting with the Twins, starting with the home run to right uh, in the ninth inning in the Twin Series, which turned the entire series around. I mean, that home run he hit into the, into the camera in right field changed everything. Changes the, whole, changes the whole postseason for the Yankees. And him having, you know, a big hit that night, a, uh, a record-breaking number of RBIs the whole series, 16 RBIs for the series, which is, I still I think ties an all-time record for the postseason. He had 16 RBIs. Uh, and it wasn't a classic series. I mean, it was Johnny Damon had a lot of big moments, obviously. And, I, and that night, in, game, in that game four, Johnny Damon had a bunch of, uh, you know, had some very big hits in that game uh, and had a very big series, as you know, uh, in that series. And... Uh, if I remember right, game four, I think Jabba won it, right? I think, I think he got the win, I think. Because I, I like Jabba. He was a favorite of mine. So I think, I'm pretty sure Jabba won that game. Uh, but, hey, it's 10 years ago. I have to go look. But um, they'll have that game for you tonight. And um, I just saw that their guest is Mark Teixeira, uh, who will be with them tonight. So that's coming up 6.30. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program brought to you by those who drink it. As I told you earlier, Every day there's a casualty. I've been asked a lot about from fans and people I bump to. Hey, Mike, I go to Saratoga every summer. What about? And listen, Saratoga is a place that when people go, they go every year. And a, a, a lot of people visit Saratoga over over the six weeks that it's open, or eight weeks that it's open. Now it's open eight. It used to be open six. In the old days, it was open four. I've been going to Saratoga. The first time I went to Saratoga was 1978. As far as going there and staying it was 1978. I've been there every every year since. It was 1978 the first time I went. Um, so I've been going there for more than 40 years, every year. I actually didn't go one summer out of my whole life. That was it in, in, in that time, since 1978. Only one summer did I not stay in Saratoga for a period of time. Um, and now, and I've been waiting for the governor. I did not see the governor's press conference today because I was playing golf, but um, I usually tried to watch it every day. But... Um, he had not taken any questions about Saratoga, and I think he'd been backing off waiting. And today, when I got back, I got a message, and they said, look at this. And I could tell from who it was by when I got the message it was a negative Saratoga note. And the governor saying, hey, I don't see any way we can have crowds in Saratoga this summer. Saratoga gets massive crowds. I mean, they, this is a track that was you know, built in the 1870s, 1860s, 1870s, that, you know, is not built to house 60,000 people, which it gets on a summer, Saturday or Sunday. They jam them in there. So social distancing is not exactly part of the deal. It loses a little, it takes away a little of its charm. So now you have, they've already announced that there was going to be no horse sales in Saratoga. And I knew the reason for that because the sales are international. People come from Japan, the Middle East, Ireland to buy and trade and sell their horses. And they come, of course, from California and Kentucky and Florida and all over the country, from Virginia. You know, horsemen live in California. Horsemen live in Kentucky, of course. Horsemen live in Florida. They live in Maryland. They live in Virginia. So... And now even some live in Texas. So um, you had no sales. And now you have no 
fans. Now the question is, will they race in Saratoga in front of nobody for the TV cameras? There is a reason for that economically because, as I've explained to you, I think it might have been yesterday, it might have been the day before, that the simulcast of the Saratoga and the Signal to the other tracks is worth a fortune because there is upwards of $25 million bet each day on the Saratoga races because they're high quality. I mean, the Saratoga races are extremely good. You get the best horses there. You know, Saratoga is the best of the best. It's like an all-star game every day. And, you know, winning a race in Saratoga is like winning five races in, uh, downstate. That's how important it is. I mean, when you win a race in Saratoga, the next morning you'll go out to get the paper and 10 people will come up and congratulate you. And if it's someone like me who people know, I get... I'll have to do five interviews with news cameras on the way out of the, out of the track that day about the race. That's just the way it is. I mean, that's part of Saratoga racing. You know, there'll be a picture of, of me there in the winter circle the next day, and there'll be a story on the horse. And, the, and that way for anybody who's well-known there. I mean, that's the way Saratoga is. And, you know, that's part of the charm of the place. So... I don't know whether or not they're going to have the racing there or not. We just don't know. So we've got to race the horses somewhere. If we don't race, you see, our horses are existing right now. Everybody's horses are existing. They're on farms. They're being trained, and they cost a lot of money. Even when, to give you an idea, when they're in training and they're at the track, their day rate is what they call a horse, which means his feed, his food, where he lives, not counting the vet, his day rate is about, on a top level, let's say a New York horse, his day rate's about a little over $100 a day. Might be 110 in Saratoga. Some guys might charge a couple extra dollars a day for ice. A couple of guys might charge a couple extra dollars a day for shoes. A couple of guys might charge a couple extra dollars. For, but basically, you're looking at a $100, $110 day rate. If the horse is turned out somewhere else in the country, it's half that. So it's $55 a day. But the horse, no matter where he's living, is costing $55 a day. Times that by seven horses or ten horses. Now you have $500 a day, not counting shipping, not counting vet bills. You have those expenses every day for your horses. They need to race somewhere. Otherwise, it's not a very lucrative business. So those expenses don't go away. The horses are still eating, they're still living, they're still being trained, they're still being cared for. You know, every day those horses are still being taken out of the barn. They are jogging around a track somewhere. They are coming back in. They are being hosed down. They are being brushed. They are being cared for. They are being fed. They are having their legs iced. They are, they are being treated like world-class athletes that they are every day. That's not changing. And so you need races somewhere to win purses to pay for all that. I mean, you can afford to handle it for a period of time, but nobody wants to do that forever. Now, there are people who have stables of, I have seven horses. There are people who have hundreds. So it's an expensive proposition. So you need to have racing. You need to have 
purse money to be won. That's the idea. So especially if you have good horses. Now your horses are also getting older. So when you bring a horse into his four-year-old year or his three-year-old year, and now you're not getting anywhere to race him, the clock's ticking on these guys. The three- and four-year-old years are their big years. You need to race them in those years. So this is becoming an issue for horses, too, like it is for everybody else in every walk of life. So it's impacting everybody. And now we hear today that Saratoga's not opening, as far as fans. We don't know yet if it's going to be open for racing. That decision will not be made yet. And it means bringing a lot of horses to Saratoga. If you're wondering how many horses would be stable at the track for the meet, about 2,000. And every one of those horses has to be cared for. And I mean cared for around the clock. So there's a lot of people who would be in the bonds. And there's a lot of security that would be there. And that means there's a lot of people bringing in grain and bringing in hay and bringing in all kinds of equipment. And there's vets and there's vets assistants. And there's, then there's people who have to hot walk the horses. Then there's people who have to bring the horses over to the track to race. Then there's got to be guys who put on the races. There's got to be... Racing officials, there have to be guys who put the horses in the gate. There's all kinds of things that have to go on. So there's still going to have to be a lot of people to track, even if there's no fans at the track. And then you have to have the people putting on the TV. Just like we're talking about for baseball. When you say baseball is not going to have any fans, it doesn't mean they're not going to have players, coaches, trainers, umpires, cameramen, announcers, Official scorers, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. Stadium operators, people to operate the scoreboards, people to operate the stadium, stadium maintenance, field guys, the ground crew. We go on and on. So when you still say there's you know, no fans, there's still a whole population of people who will be part of every one of these sports, and those people's lives have to be cared for. You have to make sure they're healthy. You have to make sure they've been tested. You have to make sure the, the people that they're meeting keep them healthy. Not every announcer is 30 years old. There's plenty of announcers that are old. There's announcers that are decrepit. There's announcers that are really old. Hey, I'm 60. There's announcers that are 20 years older than me who are out there working. So the bottom line is there's a lot of people out there and they all have to, you know, they all have to be cared for. Now the players are going to make sure they're cared for. That's part of their deal. They, they're not going anywhere. Till they, they, the, the testing's going to be ramped up. They're going to feel very comfortable about their physical well-being or they won't even get involved. We know that. Their union will take care of that. But everybody has to be cared for and everyone has to feel comfortable with their surroundings, with their work surroundings, with how they travel to the games, where they stay, uh, how they're housed and everything else. So there's a lot that goes into this even after there's no fans involved. So that makes there be a lot of considerations for all this. See, what we're going to find right now, we spend every day trying to figure out how to reopen the country. What's right, what's wrong? What's scary, what's not? Are we healthier, are we not? Can we, can we get tested? What happens if we get a resurge? Are there any drugs we can live with? 
do we believe that Gilead has something here with this rem, remdesivir, which today even Fauci got behind a little bit, which is why it took off and why the market took off. Market also took off because uh, Google had a good earnings, and Apple and Amazon are up tomorrow. Microsoft was up today. I think it also had good earnings. So that's a big reason why the market's gone up. Um, there's a lot to deal with here. And as you reopen each one of these industries, there's something to be considered in every step of this. Just like when you think about planes, trains, and automobiles, there's something to be thought about in every different... Everything has five things that connect to it. And everything has... And every industry, every walk of life, every event, everything we do has anywhere from five to ten different layers of people who are involved in the production or in some way with the pre, post, or current part of that event. And that's just the way life is. So there's a lot to deal with in every walks of the... Everything we think about has so many cause and effects that have to be dealt with. So when we consider sports reopening, there are so many things to consider. When we consider when we're going to race in Saratoga or not with, have the racing with no fans, there's so many things to consider. Even when you consider whether or not you're going to open up, I'm sure there's a lot of discussions in beach towns. Okay, I grew up in a beach town. I'm from Long Beach. We used to go from, our population used to quadruple in the summertime. Just like it does out in the Hamptons, just like it does Jersey Shore, just like it does all over, you know, people flock to these places. Are those beaches going to be open? Are those beaches going to be safe? I'm not just talking about the beach that might be private where you know everybody those beaches can open. I mean, they know each other. They grew, they, the people know each other. They live on the same blocks. They can, they can get to the beach and they can comfortably distance themselves and hang out. They know, all know each other anyway. I'm talking about the big beaches. I'm talking about the places like Jones Beach. I'm talking about the places like Hamptons and Montauk and places where you have people flock. Can there be any flocking to these beaches? Is that humanly possible three and a half weeks from now? The governor of New York just told you it isn't possible to have people descend on Saratoga in late July or August. Who's going to be descending on some beach town in May? Back after this. Oh, is that all? Just disinfect every uh, car Every train, every car, every bus, every subway, every night. Sure, why not? Okay, yeah, this stuff's easy to do. Just like it's going to be easy to socially, uh, you're going to socially distance everybody and still get them to New York City every morning. What are you out of your mind? This stuff is not possible, folks. It's not humanly possible. There are things you have to get. Uh, you have to be honest about it as a, as a government official and say, "Hey, we can't open New York City and keep everybody six feet apart. It's not humanly possible." It's not possible. It cannot be done. Can't give you each your own subway car. It cannot happen. Just like they're going to disinfect every subway car every day. No, they're not. Really? They have no money as it is now. They're completely broke. 
They're completely broke. So how are they going to do that? You know, they act like they have money, that, that, that they have an endless supply of money. Somebody said to me today, get ready for some bonds. If, you, if you're in the market for bonds, maybe bonds that are triple tax free, get ready. They may be coming because the federal government's not going to bankroll all this stuff. So they tell states, hey, go out there, you know, sell some bonds. So be looking for some 8 9% triple tax free deals, which are not bad. It's like 12%. So if they want to put, they want to send some uh, eight nine percent triple tax free our way. I'm I'm definitely interested. So you know, and I'm sure plenty of other people are too. So I mean, but it could come to that. It really could because they're going to be they're going to be need us so much money. It is unbelievable. A couple of things. Number one, uh, they canceled the Hall of Fame this year. That includes Derek Jeter, you know, Larry Walker. So that's next year. To the surprise of nobody, folks, they're not going to have events like the Hall of Fame this year. It's not happening. They're not having Saratoga. They're not having the Hall of Fame. They're not having any event where you have to congregate. It's not happening this year. You're not going to be congregating anywhere until there is a drug that you can ingest that keeps you healthy. Until then, there's not going to be any massive congregating of any kind. That's the bottom line. Okay? But I want to see how they have New York City up and operational and tell you that they're going to socially distance. They can't do it. It cannot be done. Number two. Uh, I'm sure it broke Favre's heart to get into the uh, Packer thing today by saying that he envisions Rodgers heading to another team and finishing his career on another team that they burned the bridge. They did burn the bridge. Let's be honest. He probably will finish with another team. Well, most quarterbacks do. Tom Brady's finishing with another team. So the idea that Rodgers would finish with another team should, should not shock anybody. It really shouldn't. Did they decide to move everything and change the equation? They did. They did. They changed his place. His standing with the squad was changed by the new hierarchy. They said, this is our Packers, not your Packers. That's what they did. They said, listen, you've had a great career, but these are not your Packers anymore. They're our Packers. Your clock's ticking. Cold? Yeah, but... That's just the way it is. And you saw or heard or will read about the first, the first part of what will begin to be the end of college athletics in America as you know them. The NCAA allowing has no choice, can't do anything about it. The NCAA allowing players to be paid for their likeness, for their autographs. So you can be at school X and you can be the quarterback and you can go down to uh, Joe's bookstore and you can sign autographs and get paid. Now the school can't pay you directly. Was that worth zero? What does this do? It makes it much easier for the cheaters to cheat is what it does. It gives them a complete license to steal. What you did is just give the bank robbers the keys to the vault is what you did. There was no way around it. But what it means is now they have 50 ways to funnel money to players at that school a gazillion ways that they can't get caught. 
So now, hey, now the only question is how much? How high is high? Depends how good the player is. The beginning of the end, as you know it. Casamigos Tequila brought to you by those who drink it. Brings you the program. Susan and John have Yankees-Phillies game four. You know it'll be a happy ending. It's always a happy ending. They never lose these games. Come on. I can tell you right now. You know, big hit. A-Rod big hit. Win it late. That's it. So, uh, game four, World Series, coming up. We'll see you tomorrow. Be safe. Have a good night. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.